Syria Ah fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans, to episode 1,276, or at least it feels like, of Curve America. I'm Tad Burns. I'm joined with my uh, my best buddy, my blood brother, my brother from a different mother, the golden boy of the uh, convention center area-ish of Washington, D.C., the Prince of Potomac, Marco Charla. Marco, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty well, Tad. I'm uh, still shaking off a hangover from a bachelor party up in New Hampshire. So talk about freezing cold. Uh, I went out to a gun range, shot an AR-15. Nice. And, uh, now that was scary. I'll tell you what. You hold one of those things, and I'm used to holding big things, man. But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what. They're, uh, this, one, this one was different. Put some chills up my spine. Uh, but definitely an experience, and it was a fun weekend overall. So New Hampshire, Concord, and uh, Manchester, I recommend it You know, for a quick trip. Well, believe it or not, being from Iowa, I have also shot an AR-15 at a bachelor party um, in the woods, in the trees. I think AR-15 is a great time, but let's not put them in the hands of everybody. I, uh, on the other hand, went to, the other way. I went to... Uh, the Leanne Stomping Grounds, I spent uh, four days on a business trip in Los Angeles, downtown L.A., um, stayed at the uh, Hotel Intercontinental on the uh, 51st floor of a, like, it's like a 75-story building, absolutely incredible, beautiful weather, um, went like an underground art tour with my favorite artist, a guy named Vaughn Sumner, so uh, uh, I got I got to, uh, well, I didn't get a tan, because we all know that I got this pasty Irish Norwegian skin, and that ain't happening. But for the Syria, uh, we have three of the most bananas finishes you'll ever see in one week in the Syria with Roma versus Cagliari, Fiorentina versus Sassuolo, and OTFR versus Sampdoria. Juventus, of course, wins again, but this time it's in the Derby d'Italia, so it's even more special. Quags and Frankie Caputo just can't stop scoring. These boys are bringing up the rear in the Serie A. Uh, and I guess since we're going to have to play who's the blame game um, in the capital for uh, Roma and OTFR with their disappointing finishes. And finally, Chievo and Empoli are doing big things, but everyone is paying about as much attention to it as they are paying attention to the Curve America podcast. Um, we're all on social media. Check us out. But first, Marco... Today, we've seen two teams in the Serie A bow out of the Champions League and enter Napoli. You know, my question is, is when you see these teams, uh, uh, when you see only two of the four teams that uh, qualified from Serie A in, in, this, in the Champions League make it, you know, is this a good or bad thing for the league itself, the Serie A, watching on the weekends every week, week in, week out? You know, does it make the league more competitive? I don't know. I don't know if it'll make the league more competitive because honestly, the gap between second, third, um, you know, and first place—it's—it's it's not something that these two teams are going to be able to recover. Uh, you know, so there's going to be no scudetto race. I'm sure Inter 
we'll be able to focus a little bit more on you know requalifying for the Champions League. Napoli, I would say they're a solid shoe in for second place. Uh, you know, unless they have some sort of a disaster. So I, I just think this is a bad thing for the league. You know, optics wise, you have these two teams who I think were well built for the uh, Champions League this year. You know, Carlo Ancelotti comes in from to Napoli for this you know, specific reason of doing better, you know, in the Champions League, maybe getting a little closer to Juve in the league. Um, And then they just bow out. Unfortunately, they were both in the two toughest groups uh, in the Champions League. So, you know, I guess you could kind of excuse them for that. But, you know, end of the the day, they had an opportunity. Uh, Inter kind of squandered it just by tying PSV, who had nothing to play for. And then, you know, I think Napoli wishes they did a little better at, at Liverpool, but ultimately I think Liverpool is the better team today anyways. Um, you know, it might make things a little interesting for a Champions League qualification. Uh, I just think that Napoli needs to try to, you know, win the Europa League. I think that that would be interesting because they're not going to challenge for the Scudetto, let's be real. Yeah, I mean, as far as these two teams bowing out of the Champions League, tough draw for both of them. But what you'd really like to see is one of these two teams, you know, go through. Because Inter and Napoli have every much of ability to to make it through um, in these groups as a PSG, a Liverpool, or a Tottenham. Um, you know, Barcelona, obviously, that they're basic. They're you know they're going to be a shoe in to go through because they just wrecked the discotheque. Um, so you know, seeing both of these teams go out, and you know, one in Napoli, which if they're exposed to kind of the greater uh, soccer community or the soccer fan community as a whole, they play a really interesting style. You know, they, uh, uh, they're, they're high flying, you know, they have cool, uh, Bali, um, who's, you know, now having just massive links to, uh, to England. So, you know, and Carlo Ancelotti, a pedigreed, you know, a, a champions league coach, I think he's won it like three or four times. So you really want to see them go through enter, you know, I mean, they have such brand recognition, and it's like the kind of the return of the Mac with them. Um, you know, they're they're back in the top four. You know, they'll make Champions League probably again this year. They have a bona fide superstar um, in Maori Cardi. So just to see both these teams goes out. I agree with you. The optics for the Serie A it's trash, and we just got to hear it from you know all our Premier League and La Liga uh, friends. Um, but you know, going on what you said, I thought was interesting with Napoli and the Europa League. I agree. You know, Carlo Ancelotti needs to bring a trophy to Napoli. Um, I think Napoli has no reason to not go all in for this. I mean, you you know, last year they just went all in for the Scudetto. You said went to were they eight points out of first? Yeah, yeah. These guys, these guys gotta you know go for broke. They're like you said, they're shooing at second. They you know they gotta rip it up. They gotta they gotta go and try and get a trophy this year. But my other thing too is you know is has ESPN Plus. You know, we talked a lot about how great it is. And, you know, honestly, like, I thought it was amazing watching it on my computer, you know, at 9 a.m. in my hotel room in Los Angeles. Um, you know, it was just so easy, whereas there'd be absolutely no way for me to watch that game, um, you know, in any other season. So we talked about the the upside of it. But do you think it's created enough excitement um, for the Serie A as a novelty, you know, just beginning to wear off being able to, you know, stream every game? Yeah, it's hard to judge. Uh, I know that I don't have a, uh, you know, like Apple TV. Like I'll have to like kind of like plug in my my laptop or just watch it on my laptop. Sometimes it's still, you know, I know streaming's big, but it's still easy 
to uh, you know easier to just turn on the channel. Um, I you know with the amount of podcasts coming up left and right, it, it leads me to believe that yes, you know there is still a lot of excitement uh, around Serie A, but you know when you miss opportunities uh, to have big teams go through, you know in the Champions League where the eyes of the world are watching, I think that that's another thing that that's bad for the league, you know. So we're just missing out. Uh, a little bit there. Hopefully, this ESPN Plus ordeal keeps uh, keeps going with the hype. Plus, man, the worst thing about this this today is just the Premier League. Man, we could have knocked two Premier League teams out, and instead we lose two Italian league teams. It's just like it continues. Yeah, I mean, what a save for Ali Son. It's kind of heartbreaking, even though I mean, as a as a fledgling Liverpool supporter after last season. Um, you know, him basically the reason why Liverpool goes through, um, you know, the Brazilian god of, of Calcio. Um, you know, for ESPN Plus thing for me is, you know, the coverage is fantastic. It, it, you know, the, you do get that HD experience. You know, you can watch every single game, um, which is great. Uh, you know that you don't have to you know, go to great lengths going to some you know shady Reddit stream. So I believe it is there, and I think that kind of the wave of the future is you know even though as you said um, it's easy to just turn on the channel and, and watch the pre- you know turn on the TV and watch the Premier League and you know people are all into it um, you know be- have gotten into that because of that reason. Um, it's definitely a step up from BN, but you know, I think that the, the trend is streaming. People are going to kind of throw away cable. But then on the same time is, is all these a la carte ex, you know, expenses. I don't know how many people this year are going to really get into it um, if they got to pay you know, another six bucks. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I've gotten my money's worth, but you know, I know a lot of people like they're ESPN doesn't work. ESPN Plus doesn't work on their smart TV, or you know, there's just one extra layer of BS. That I think that uh, you know, Juventus is really going to have to make some noise um, in the Champions League and Roma. I mean, you know, they're they're, they're going to have to turn it up, uh, you know, pull off pull off some sort of a miracle like they did last year um, for you know the, the the subscriptions to be there, but. You never know. ESPN is the you know the mothership of sports, and maybe they'll pump up their broadcasts. What do you think? Uh, what do you think this these Champions League results do for you know Juventus and Roma? I think a they get them a little bit of money, um, a little extra. Juve needs money. it, right? Um, I don't know. I don't think it really does much. Juve uh, was supposed to do very well. Roma, you know, they got lucky that they had two teams in their draw that weren't very good. Um, and I'm hoping for another Cinderella story. So let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I think that uh, Roma kind of has achieved their Champions League goal this season. We'll see if their draws in the round of 16, but you know they're getting like Barcelona or you know <laughs> somebody like that that's just going to lay a wax into them. Um, you know, but I think that they do need the money because right now they're on the outside looking in at this top four, um, and you know, I, I this team with the injuries and. You know, kind of the lack of cohesion and the lack of star power uh, that we've seen. Uh, a deep Champions League run, it, it ain't happening. Well, let's jump to the league. Our first game up is uh, one of the biggest rivalries in all the Serie A, Juventus-Inter in the uh, Derby d'Italia. Marco, this is your game. Yeah, and raise your hand if you actually thought that Juve was going to lose to Inter at home. No way. No one. 
you know, Inter has been impressive. Uh, and they had their chances this game. Honestly, Gagliardini really missed the sitter uh, in the in the first half. Um, but Juve, they just find a way to win. You know, Mario, the Raptor Manzukic, he does it again. It's the same story every time. You know, just when you think a team's going in there uh, in a bit of form, you know, they'll lull you to sleep and beat you one nothing. If Ronnie doesn't score, well, Manzukic is there this entire season. He's been doing the same thing. Uh, and again, he just, Asamoa, you know, coming through, coming back to the Juventus Stadium. He's the culprit. Messes up the uh, the marking. He actually messed up in Champions League again today. But like I said, man, it's just the same story. That's just uh, I guess that's how it's going to be this this year. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the the Juventus team when they're at home against uh, Inter just has a way to just go into the factory, uh, the Fiat factory, and just manufacture a win and walk out in this one. And you know, Mandzukic. For, for all the for all the the headlines that uh, that uh, Ronnie from the shore CR7 has taken, you know, for for Juventus this year, it's it's not tough to forget what just what a baller this dude is. He's crucial for them, uh, but you know, Inter again. Uh, I think at the time that the loss happened, it was fine, and you know, you got Champions League. Everybody focus on Champions League. You know, with these back-to-back, uh, you know, poor results, I think that they're going to be a little bit in the down in the dumps after this week because they, uh, you know, they kind of had it in their hands to do something special, uh, and they go 0 for 2. Uh, but Juventus, they got a, they have just a tough month here, tough December, and they finish it off with a Torino derby. Uh, they have Roma coming home. I don't know if that's a tough game. Uh, Atalanta. And then Sampdoria with a Quags who is just has a red rocket out. And, uh, you know, if they don't lose one of these games, I think it, we should really be considering just, uh, you know, stitching uh, another championship into their into their next year's jerseys and uh, just handing them the trophy. Yeah, I mean, you could this team is so deep and the way Roma's playing, which you would think would be their... Uh, uh, their their toughest competition despite being behind Torino and Sampdoria on the table right now. <laughs> um, you know, this this team is not gelling. Maybe, you know, it, 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 they might be trying to – I mean, obviously they're going to try to make some sort of statement against against uh, uh, against uh, Juventus, but, you know, we don't know what their future is with their coach. You know, their injury problems are so bad. Um, yeah, I, I can just really see these guys ripping off these four wins and then they go into the uh, – uh, into the first half of the season, first half of the season, champs undefeated, uh, never lost, and uh, you know the, I think that the, the, after after week five, this week we have already started stitching that other next star on Juventus jersey. This team is just way too much, um, and I think that you know what's terrible for all of us uh, Romanisti is we really have to have Juventus carry the torch. Um, to give us some sort of international profile, which you know, every you know, in the Champions League, which everyone's just going to attribute to CR7 if he can get him over the hump. Yeah. Well, yeah. our next game, we have Calgary versus Roma, the Iron Iron of Calgary versus the most disappointing team on the boot, Roma. This one finishes two-two. 
Anyone who's a Roma fan out there, anyone that follows the Serie A, you saw what happened in this one, the Hail Mary. Roma absolutely blow it in the worst way possible, knocking uh, Curve America out of the podcast game and maybe Pelota out of the ownership game. You know, you don't really need to recap this one. Um, you know, Roma dominates the first half of this one, 2-0. I remember texting in the, in the Curve DC group chat, I really enjoy watching Roma play well. And they just come out, you know, uh, uh, limp as your grandfather's dick uh, in the second half and surrender a 95th minute equalizer to the uh, the Iron Island born, um, the Iron born Marco Sal and Cagliari with nine men come from two down to tie Roma. Marco, what were you thinking when that ball got lobbed over and uh, and <laughs> and Marco Sal puts it back, Robin Olsen, for us to drop? two points i'll tell you what man it's uh i think i i put in a group chat i just said hey man you know what roma is just effing hilarious right now and and uh, i think edf kind of agreed you know he was laughing to himself probably just so mad inside like the rest of us and uh you know you gotta scratch your head a little bit and also just realize maybe it's time for a reset you know uh not maybe let's uh, it's time for a reset uh, at the same time, we've had a lot of injuries this year. We got to get to uh, you know Christmas and New Year's. I think after New Year's, everybody will make their resolutions, and uh, basically, you know, hopefully half of them say for New Year's, uh, my New Year's resolution, I I don't want to play like trash anymore. <laughs> and um, you know, we just got to get through this this rough patch. I don't know if firing EDF is the is the answer. I just think that. Uh, players who were injured need to come back and uh, you know get back up to speed. Well, Roma in this one, interesting enough, put out a young team. Um, you know, Kolarov is is been playing lights out the past few weeks. Um, the only Brian in the Serie A, Cristante, uh, you know, kind of silenced some of his critics in this one with some offensive talent, but you know, it's just not enough. Uh, Under and uh, and Cliver get the start in this one. Sheik gets the start, obviously, and so you know the, our attack was all pretty young, but yeah, it's the veterans in the back that kind of blow it on this one. Um, so you know we can say, hey, great, Cristante played well. Hey, great, Kolarov played well. But we're Roma fans, and we're not going to do that. We need to play the blame game. Who is to blame on this one? Is it the players? Um, is it EDF? Uh, you know, t- tell us, tell me what you think about EDF job security. I, I don't think he's going to get fired, man. I just um, he did what he did when he needed to do in Champions League. Uh, he was given a team that uh, you know was kind of just all over the place at the beginning of this year, and then he got some injuries on top of that. Um, other teams in the city, I have really stepped up. So I, I don't know if it's EDF's fault. Uh, Sometimes I wish he did things better, uh, but who's to blame? I mean, hell, I, I just blame the players. You know, I don't think that there's anybody that has stepped up this season and taken uh, responsibility after Dirossi just left. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is you don't have somebody on there to, uh, you know, get the team back, you know, to where they need to be mentally. And so I'd, I'd say I'd blame the, the players. They're right now a little spineless and need to need to get back and really look themselves in the mirror. Yeah, I think the most major reaction out there is, you know, fire EDF, do something like off with someone's head. 
And, you know, I, I agree with you on this one, man. I mean, what's what's EDF supposed to do that when his whole back line gets caught sleeping in the, you know, the last few seconds of the game where, I mean, the only option that Calgary had on this one is bomb it out there and to just watch us sprinting after Marco saw, saw and, you know, as the British say, cool as you like, you know, slots it past Robin Olsen. I, you know, I mean, I don't know what EDF is supposed to do about that. Um, he put together a game plan. Um, that got them a 2-0 lead, and, the, you know, the team just fell flat. And, you know, as far as his job security, I know it's real sexy to talk about Antonio Conte, but, like, come on, man. Antonio Conte is not coming to Roma. And so, you know, you want to you wanna dump the guy who's put us through in Champions League. Uh, yes, the season's been disappointing, but, you know, we got to uh, the semifinal of the Champions League last year. We finished top four. We're still in striking distance of, of the, uh, of you know, top four, and, and, you know, maybe even top three. I mean, Inter's only eight points ahead of us, so a run of form could put us right in there. The the teams that are, you know, in front of us on the table between four and eight are not any not world-beaten, and they all decide that they, you know, they maybe really don't want to be top four. So, I mean, if you're going to fire him and you're not getting Conte, who are you going to get? I mean, Sousa or, uh, or Montella? Like, absolutely not. <laughs> You know, I mean, like, what are we going to get Ventura in there? Like, you know, so EDF is, is really the only one that can coach his way out of this. We get healthy. Uh, I think that gives us our best chance. But uh, Jimmy Pelota has been kind of the amplification of Roma's anger. And, of course, every time there's a big Roma disappointment, he starts, you know, talking trash about how pissed off he is in the media. They uh, uh, There's going to be rumors swirling that he wants to throw the deuces and get up out the paint. Um, he shoots down the fake news uh, of him selling the club for $800 million to an Arab investor. That has to be the most hilarious, uh, specific, but yet not specific at all. Um, little tidbit out there, $800 million, so we have a number, and an Arab investor, of course, because who has $800 million? But really what he's done is he's ramped up the pressure to build Stadio Della De Roma you know, in the public eye. I mean, what what are your what are your thoughts on uh, you know kind of Pelota's uh, uh, positioning with Roma these days? I tell you, man, it's uh, you get to the point where you throw your hands up. You go, what else can the man do? Um, you know, he brings in a pretty respected uh, sporting director, and you know they have they've turned a profit. You know, after a, a, a long time, and uh, Really, it's just up to. And Roma's played, you know, played well the past couple seasons. Well, past couple seasons just hasn't been able to go over the hump, and I, you know, I have I have to believe it's got something to do with uh, kind of the 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 overall culture, kind of the tifosi, you know, a little bit, just really high expectations uh, without a lot to back it up, because other than being Rome, you know, the city of Rome, uh, three scudetti, and you know, it's and no champions leagues like we shouldn't be you know ostracizing players sometimes the way we do uh and i'm guilty of it too but it's just a tough situation to be in for for palota who you know thinks he's doing everything he can uh ultimately he's probably bleeding money and uh just not really getting any you know any love so we'll see what happens man i i don't think he's gonna leave but i can see what why that little rumor would come out, you know, he's probably just pissed, drinking, and he just starts spewing things, you know, like a like a good Boston gentleman. Well, and I think you know what you're to your point. Like, if you're disappointed in the team and you're disappointed in the way things are going, like, 
what else can you do? Like you got you got the sporting director, teams making money, you know, you're buying and selling players, you're making, you know, making the moves. Um, you know, you're getting Nike as your kit sponsor. So really the only thing that he can I mean, he's not gonna coach the team. Um, so really the only thing you can do is is try and uh, get that public pressure on, on Stadio, you know, get the stadium going and, and, you know, try and shift the subject to, hey, I know times are dark right now, but like there is light at the end of the tunnel. Because, I mean, you know, what's Roma supposed to do? They're supposed to beat Juventus the past five years? No one could do that. And they're definitely not going to do it this year. And for the few, foreseeable future, they're a juggernaut. So you got to play this long con. And the Stadio della Roma is kind of like the last... You know, barring a miraculous season, echoes of of Leicester City or something like that. Um, that you know, Roma just is amazingly be able to put it together for an entire season. There's only really a few things you can focus on, and you know, yeah, shrug off uh, the uh, Arab investor, <laughs> wherever that came from, uh, uh, rumors, and and focus on you know reminding all the tifosi that like, hey, look, we're gonna get a stadium, and that's what's going to put us, uh, uh, you know, in competition year and year out for Champions League. So we'll move on to our next game. Sassuolo versus Fiorentina, another absolute barn burner. Yes, I'm from Iowa. Uh, this one finishes 3-3. Yeah, it seems like all these crazy games are ended up in ties this week. Another late winner. Uh, but we were definitely jacked up on these two teams at the beginning of the season. But you look at them now, Fiorentina on its longest winless streak in like 16 years. Sassuolo one win in the last eight. Uh, but you know what? Both teams are still in the Coppa Italia hunt uh, like every other damn team in the league. Uh, yeah. And, you know, hardly any action the first half. But if you turn this game on in the second half, if you put that ESPN Plus on, uh, at the turn of the half, you were in for a pleasant surprise. Speaking of which, Duncan. You don't hear his name very often from Sassuolo, but he had a hell of a first goal, an absolute missile, had a good game and an, and an assist as well. Uh, you saw players like Sansi, who's who's been impressive and an Azzurri international, uh, step it up. He scored a, a, a blaster. But Fiorentina stayed in there, and we've said it all season, man. They have the players. They have some you know, some talent that can ignite the game. Uh, DJ Benassi, it's been a while since we've called out his name. Benasti. Uh, Benasti, yeah, he scores the the second one. Um, and then, you know, after Simeone and Kevin Miralles ties it in the 96th minute late finish. I mean, look, we were real high on this Fiorentina, Fiorentina team at the beginning of the season. Uh, what's your take on the on this Fiorentina crisis right now, Tadwick? I mean, if there's it, you know if there's a team that needs to fire a coach, Stefano Pioli's the one that's got to go. You need something to to shake this team up. I mean, they have they do they haven't won since bell bottoms were in style, dude. They haven't won uh, since uh, uh, they won a game since Ronaldo was in Manchester United, um, and you know they're they're kind of squandering a, a super talented team. I mean, uh, uh, Milenkovic in the back, who gets a double yellow in this one, as i about to sing praise on him, has been one of the better center backs in the league this year. Benasti, you know, Gerson's played very well. But, you know, we have this Fiorentina U team with, uh, uh, you know, Jordan Ferretout, uh, uh, Simeone, and Chiesa, who actually uh, came on as a sub in this one, surprisingly. Um, you know, I mean, you got to be able to do better than this. And you sure as heck got to beat Sassuolo. Um, and you sure as heck got to, you know, week in, week out, get, get better results 
than they have been getting. I mean, like, look at these results that they've had when you talk about their winless streak, um, the longest in 16 years. They have drawn the likes of Cagliari. I mean, I guess there's no shame in that game. Um, Roma, yeah, yeah. They drew uh, Frozy no goals. Um, they've they had a zero zero draw with Bologna, who can't you know who who couldn't go down to the red light district and buy a win, um, you know, and 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 now they're uh, uh, they're letting Sassuolo, you know, I mean this one with the red cards, let Sassuolo come in with the with the last minute equalizer in this one, um, you know, I just they're just underachieving and they have to they have to make a shake at the top because this team is just. Way too talented, way too deep to be relying on a uh, the the one of the other Kevins in the Serie A, Mirales, having to you know score in the 96 minute for them to get a tie. Yeah, I completely agree with all everything you just said. Uh, on the flip side, you know, I think Sassuolo definitely overperforming this year, and uh, they're they're both both these teams hanging around. Uh, you know, to your point, Fiorentina has a Kevin Mirales who who was nasty at Everton. You know he's coming. He's he's coming to the city. Yeah, he's scoring in the 96th minute. Uh, Fiorentina has a decently loaded squad, and Sassuolo, man, I'm just I just love seeing them. You know, do well, uh, and uh, I'm just uh, keeping an eye on them because they're just sniffing the butts of uh, of the Roma Lupa right now, and and I need them to to back up a little bit because it's getting a little it's getting a little tight in that little corridor. Uh, of of the Europa League, Euro, and then Champions League qualifying. So yeah, well, it's good to see Fiorentina get a little Roma-itis in this one with uh, their uh, former player Babacar scoring in this one. And uh, I saw in the, in the press or the post game that Deserbi says that Babacar is going to be a twenty goal a year, um, you know, Syria scorer. And I was like, I mean, yeah, he can he can score twenty goals a season if every goal he plays is in the Europa League for Fiorentina because that man was the no-limit soldier train. He couldn't be stopped. You know, uh, when he was playing in the Europa League for Fiorentina, he was like the Wu-Tang Clan. He ain't nothing to F with. Um, you know, it, it, this, this this kid's got talent. And, uh, you know, unlike the likes of Bologna or some of these other teams that are just absolutely drowning, um, I think that, you know, he they have the potential for a couple of their players to, to, to be studs. Um, you know, if not Berardi being kind of a, a fringe a fringe star in the Serie A. Yeah, I agree. Verardi, who scored? They gave him man of the match on this one, 8.1, and he had an assist, so rock on, Domenico. Uh, our next match is another late equalizer, our third one. We have OTFR versus Sampdoria. It finishes 2-2, and Sampdoria, they really offer the only possible redemption uh, to the Roma Homer podcast this weekend, playing their own version of Spoiler with the wildest finish of the season so far. This one was unbelievable. Cra- cra- it was as crazy as as Roma's tie was embarrassing. And, uh, you know, just the last 20 minutes of this game, and you know, everyone's probably seen it or at least seen the highlights, but the, just a wild last 20 minutes. Echerbi, who's been one of the better defenders in Serie A, Scores the equalizer off a, a Marco Perola back heel in the 78th minute. It was just off a, off a corner set piece. Super beautiful. Fumis Lair. Berezinski picks up a second yellow card by pulling Caicedo, who, you know, who beat him like a redheaded stepchild in the 91st, 91st minute. He gets the deuces. He goes to, hits, hits the showers early, and then the, the ensuing free kick results in a handball yellow. 
for Joachim Anderson, giving him Mobile, rocking the bowl cut in this one. This dude just can't – he just can't come up with a good haircut. Gives him a 96-minute go-ahead penalty, and at that point, you're like, it's over. You know, it's 2-1, Immobile, it's at home in front of their 12 fans, except for the fact that Ricardo Sampanar desperately wanted to show his ass in this one, literally, and he has a gorgeous flick just to bring the mother of all ties. Apparently, it's the latest Serie A goal in the history of the league. He goes flying into the crowd, and he comes out in his birthday suit. Uh, you know, Marco, what was your reaction to the end of this game? I just... You know, I was elated, obviously, when uh, when you see a OTFR team getting scored on by Sampdoria uh, at the last minute like that. I also have a soft spot for Sampdoria because of Quags. Um, but overall, man, that was a tight ass. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah, and the tie was good, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he uh, 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 Sampanara came on as a, as a super sub in this one. I think he was, you know, he was in the sumo squad. I think he was in wall sits, uh, you know, waiting to come into this one. And he just has the flick. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, just just because he just can't keep his clothes on. I, you know, when, when he came back on the field, and, you know, he obviously he went wild when the, uh, when the uh, uh, final whistle went off. I was blown away that he had his clothes back on. Yeah. With OTFR, though, man, talk about another team that's in, you know, I mean, I guess if you want to say free fall, I mean, they're in fifth place, one point out of a Champions League spot. But, you know, they have a, a sporting director and a, uh, uh, sorry, a, a team president and a fan base, surprise, surprise, is pissed. Um, Claudio Lolito gave a rare interview, um, and it is, in quotes, reported that he's over SMS and will look to sell him in 2019. I don't know, you know, what little birdie heard him say that. But the OTFR fans are the ones who, uh, uh, these rats, are the ones that uh, take their frustration on SMS. Dude, did you see this? They hung a banner. I don't know, like, somebody must have brought it or they threw it together, you know, a uh, 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 they threw it together faster than a than than another Transformers movie, um, but the banner that said Milinkovic Zingaro or you know Gypsy Milinkovic, so a racist banner against by OTFR fans this time against a white guy. Uh, you know, it just seems they always find a way to do something wrong. What was your reaction to this this next piece of stupidity from the OTFR ultras? You bite the hand that feeds you. You know, you have a superstar who uh, stuck around. Well think that he if he keeps going the way he goes uh this season he's gonna end up getting sold for less than he could have been sold last season and he will have done less for the team so uh they gotta be careful that he doesn't get uh upset here and then just decides that he's just gonna you know just not play well and then get sold for less money than than the team could have made earlier it's pretty uh it's pretty interesting situation i feel like uh you know that's not going very well for for the for your old eagles over there. Yeah, I mean, for the seven fans who turned up to watch this game, and one of them had this banner. I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not surprised. I'm just like, I guess I am a little surprised. You know, usually they uh, they save their racism for the more traditional sense, and you know, I mean, with between the you know the slurs and the Nazi salutes and the and Frank stuff and 
you know, it, it, this is just a, a, another long line and in, in, in a piece of bad behavior for these guys. And to, you know, Sergei Milinkovic Savage, yeah, he's been disappointing this year, but it's not like he's out there trying. It's not like, you know, they're finding him in the bars in Rome all the time. I mean, the, the dude, the dude's, he's a baller. And, you know, it's soccer is one of those sports where you can just not play very well for a little while. And, you know, Immobile, obviously, he's a star, but Malinkovic Savage is a young, you know, incredibly talented player who you would want to do everything you possibly can to encourage him rather than, you know, throw the weirdest banner at him. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw out the shame card. Uh, I'm going to pile on on the OTF Ultras, just another piece of pathetic behavior. Um, You know, the the, the Curva Nord, this basta already. Well, we're not doing a Serie A 6 this week. That wraps our four games because we have uh, jobs, and uh, apparently Chris Ross has uh, floated uh, uh, forever into adulthood and no longer has the time um, for his his fun podcasting Brutti Americani friends. So we're going to jump right into shout-outs. We have four games. First one, Empoli versus Bologna. And just another win for Empoli, sponsored by Poop. Um, in a game with massive implications for the relegation zone, more importantly for the Inzaghi Bowl, um, you know, the, uh, Super Pipo not looking good. Actually, OTFR, they were talking about firing that Inzaghi. What uh, unbelievable turn of events if there was this game played and zero Inzaghis. But on this one, you got to think that Bologna is, uh, 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 might be down in Inzaghi. On the other hand, Empoli, they're riding Frankie Caputo. Frankie Caputo featuring in every single Martin Scorsese movie. He gets a goal in this one. Eight goals on the season for the journeyman 31-year-old striker. Yeah, Parma Chievo, another point for Chievo. I mean, shout out to them. Uh, here's to four ties in a row and only three points total uh, on the season. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you know, getting Ventura out, apparently that that helped uh, spruce the energy a little bit. Um, you know, I, uh, three points, look, I think that Kievo is going to get out of this somehow. Old man Sorrentino has seen a lot in his day, and he will be able to carry his team out. Yeah, this reminds him of the 1886-1887 season when uh, when they were able to come back from negative points. Uh, The donkeys might not be flying, um, but they're definitely jumping very low. Um, Udinese versus Atalanta. Three goals from Duvon in this one against one of his old clubs. Uh, you know, hat trick from Zapata, who you know on his day can be a beast. Three goals gives him only five on the season, so more goals in this game than the rest of the season combined. But you know, Atalanta's got to be happy that somebody's finding the back of the goal for them. And lastly, Piotic, he gets his goal, and now he's one ahead of Ronnie at the top of the Canyonera list, Capo Canyonera list. Uh, we got to be a little hyped on that. We want that to at least stay fresh and not have you just completely run the table on, on every, on, in every aspect. So, Piotic, get after it before you get bought by you. Well, that'll do for Curve America this week, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, you know, Marco, I had a great time. Let's the uh, uh, Skype chest bump. Skype chest bump. Here we go. Uh, until next time, though, we say Arrivederci. Ciao, ciao.